is the Dosa Cero Podcast, a weekly show devoted to football in Mexico, the U.S., and beyond. If you are a pocho, puma, regio, chiva, cholo, fresa, tigre, tapatio, chilango, or even a Methodist, pull up a chair, crack open a cold one, and enjoy the next 90 minutes of heated football debate. Thus begins the Dosa Cero Podcast. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Los Acero Podcast. My name is John Jagu. Very happy you're with us again tonight. Have another roundtable discussion about the world of soccer and any other things we would like to discuss, but we do have a few things on our agenda. First and foremost, are we witnessing the beginnings of a Chivas renaissance? After their 4-0 win over Pumas, it seems like every Chiva in the world was coming out of the woodwork to celebrate the victory. Is this the beginning of something special, or will our special reality correspondent, Joel Aceves, bring everybody back down to earth? Stay tuned to find out. Also on the agenda... El Super Clásico, the real one, the one out apparently to the rest of the world, not the not the the one that we know, but the Real Madrid Barcelona game was this weekend. Oddly enough, both of them were scheduled after FIFA dates, which was interesting. We'll talk about that as well. Mexico's Olympic team, who are going to be the three overage players? And how much is the FMF going to push for them with their club teams? Very interesting information today. We'll discuss that a little later as well. Like always, we have a very distinguished panel of guests that I want to introduce to you all tonight. First of all, out in Escondido, California, a man who was a little upset last night with how things turned out with his Guerreros. Um, la Comarca Lagunera, but he's here with us all the same, mostrando la cara, Dan Preciado from Escondido, how are you sir? I'm pretty good, pretty good all things considered, licking, licking my wounds, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was super pissed about it, I was more somewhat uh, gutted, like someone punched me in the gut, that's that's more how it felt. Kind of shocking. Kind of a shock result. The way the way it went down. But uh, I guess it was deserved. They they had uh, an infinite amount of chances that should have gone in. So I guess uh, I guess well, the, the the right the, the the better team won. I guess uh, skinny jeans just couldn't come up with the right combination to uh, get Santos to work. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. He, Good needs, to have he, you need, he needs more. Uh, more room around the ankles, at least. I think that's well, what it is. Apparently, just some, or at least the oxygen to his brain. I think is what's happening. Those <laughs> are awfully a, tight. They, they're they're painted on. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I knew girls in high school that I thought wore tight jeans until I saw this guy. Good lord. Okay. All right. Moving on. Good to have you with us, Dan. We have with us who will give us a report on his experience last week at the Mexico-Canada match at the Estadio Azteca. 
he was trying to listen to our show, or maybe he did listen to our show. He was unable to participate last week. I'm not sure how that was, but uh, we were anxious to hear your report about the game from the Azteca. Alberto El Chiquis Campa, how are you, sir? Hey, guys. Doing good. Yeah, it was a fun time. Fun time in the Azteca. Did uh, did you christen the Azteca as everyone else? Did you make your own bolsa and, and, and throw it? No, I chose to use the, it's sort of interesting, the troughs. They're, they're metal troughs that are just going along the walls of the uh, bathrooms. They're huge, aren't they? They're like like 100 meters long. They're, they're long, and there's one to the side that says, there's a sign on top of it that says, um, for children in use only. And that wasn't respected one bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured as much. It was crazy. Well, you'll have to give us your report a little bit later. Thanks for joining us again. Yep. We missed you last week. Some people more than others. <laughs> Over in Los Angeles, a gentleman who uh, apparently had a very hard day at work today. He was giving us updates all day long with all of the heavy lifting he was doing. But I'm sure he was doing it with a smile on his face because his Chivas won 4-0 over the weekend over Pumas. And it seems like the uh, entire Chivas nation, for the first time in a long time, has a, a sense of optimism. Joel Aceves, how are you, sir? Greetings, John. Doing pretty good. That's all you got for us, Joel? You're... Very, 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 very stoic in your in your in your intro today. Yes, I'm awake for the segment. Oh, you wait for? Oh, okay, so you. But I did. I missed the game, dude. I just, I, I basically just watched like the goal, the trophies buying. The, That's about the goal. It. Well, we're gonna have to talk about Mr. Trophies uh, here a little bit later. Uh, I'm sure that uh, there are some interesting opinions they, they that were. Will... Oh, yes. I know, I know you like the lavandera segment. Oh yes, of course. And, and uh, so I caught this in the morning uh, radio, and they were talking about uh, some information like trophies likes to uh, he likes to visit Rita's a bit too often. Rita's in Houston. The equivalent. I see. He likes, likes a re- relaxation therapy. Ah, the those Rita's. I understand. Yeah. Okay. I understand. Well, a gentleman who needs no introduction, up in Philadelphia, a man who I'm sure was pulling whatever is left of his hair out, watching the game last night between America and Santos, wondering when and if there was going to be a goal, and I'm sure in the back of his head, you know, Santos is just going to hit us on the counter, and it's going to be that. But as America prevailed, they're in the final. La final soñada that CONCACAF you know, if they weren't going to get an American team, I'm sure this is probably the next best thing for them. Through America and Tigres. Ronaldo de Luna, how are you, sir? Hey, John, how are you doing? How's everybody doing? No, uh, you're right. I was, it was a nail-biter. I mean, I was praying to the Greek god Kronos, you know, for the game to end. And uh, I just, for some reason, I thought that, you know, you know the, the team was going to lose on some sort of counter or some BS goal off a set piece. Uh, because, you know, as Dan said, I mean, there were just so many opportunities that they wasted America. Um, but at the end, at the end, uh, the BBC got them. You know, the, you know, uh, Marchesin lacked, you know, um, ball control, you know, better ball control. 
and uh, that's what happens, you know. Hello, BBC. But, <laughs> I see. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I, I did see uh, on Twitter uh, a video of a fan from Santos basically embracing Marchesin after the game as he was, you know, on his knees. Did he give uh, him a match round? I, I think he did. I think he did, but he was consoling him, you know. I would have. Uh, yeah, I mean, after the BBC, obviously, you know, issues, yeah. <laughs> but um, he, he was consoling him, and, uh, you know, the security people came onto the field, and uh, it was a very nice gesture uh, that Marchesin did was that he escorted, you know, the young man out to the stadium and then gave him his jersey. And uh, the Santos fan was basically just trying to get, the, you know, the, you know, the fans from Santos to, to cheer, you know, and support the Marchesin because, I mean, he had a fabulous game. And... Uh, it's it's one of those you know those type of plays where like you know unfortunately it kind of like you know Andres Gato Mar you know Marin you know from Cruz Azul it's kind of yeah. like God has, God has a sick sense of humor well you know it's uh, yeah funny. yes I mean the first time that this has happened not to Marjasin but to a goalie who's had yeah. an incredible game when on the most routine of saves are the ones that they mess up on probably thinking well I mean I've been making these crazy saves all night this one. I'll, you know, I have to just put my hands up, and it's there. And he just had that one minute of, you know, lack of concentration, and he thought he could grab it, but he should have punched it out. I mean, yeah, Seaman, you know, against the Brazilians in uh, what was it, uh, two thousand two, just, just, you know, he had a pretty good, he had a good game, and then he just let, you know, Ronaldinho's uh, set piece, you know, uh, kick, just floated, you know. So I mean, it's it, it's one of those type of things where I actually, you know, I actually felt. Bad for Santos losing that way. I, I really did. How long did that last? About oh, a nanosecond. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ronnie we're talking about. So his his his, his capacity to feel sympathy for anything is it, it's limited. So you basically so, so I'll take what I can get. You basically pursed your lips for about half a second, and that was like an eternity for your your. No, it's less than your, half a second. Your sympathy. <laughs> he kind of, oh, kind of bit his lip, turned his head, and then went, 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 went on with his business. Yes, and then I started just cracking up, you know, and laughing. Started Google searching. Started Google searching, started trolling. You know, I totally forgot that they had already played the first legs. I was wondering why is this game going to extra, but both first legs between Santos and Club America and then Querétaro against Tigres ended 0-0, so obviously... You know, none, you know, not one thing that happened in those games was memorable at all. So that's why I, I was I was confused. Like, how is this game going? The, next time? the first game was actually pretty uh, competitive. Yeah, I mean, it was similar to this game where I, um, I mean, even though Santos greatly outplayed, I mean, they still had their fair share of chances as well. So I mean, and that was kind of like the way the first game went. Uh, both teams kind of went at each other, but neither neither could break. Neither were they, were able to break through. Where I think the Querétaro Tigres was just generally a bore fest. And uh, for the, my rant section, I'm going to talk about uh, still the lack of discipline. You know that I mean, uh, yeah, just just bonehead play. Well, we will look look forward to that segment. We just lost <laughs> so mad that he, that he, that, he, that he left the show. All right, so let's talk about the uh, the Concacaf Champions League. Now, obviously, with the way that it's set up, the Concacaf is just is is I think there's no secret they're desperate to see how they can get a, a Mexico team and an American team in the final. That's what they want. If they could get like an LA Galaxy Club America final, I'm sure that that would be like the greatest thing for them. 
I think they got the next best. I mean, if I know that that would stir interest in both countries, I think that the, what they have here, I think, is an extremely exciting game between Tigres and Cuba America. They played in the final at the, uh, what was it, the uh, Apertura 2014, if I'm not mistaken. They played in that, uh, the final in there where America prevailed uh, actually pretty easily. But since then, Tigres has played, they've, they've played three finals, or this will be their third final. They, they lost the Libertadores to River Plate. They, they hung on to beat Pumas in the uh, Apertura 15, and then they have this game. And then Tuca, it would be his fourth final because he won that playoff between Mexico yeah. and the U.S. So pretty, yeah. pretty good uh, year for Tuca Ferretti. Very good. The fact that uh, and, uh, icing on the cake is he got uh, nominated for the Hall of Fame. Well, it's, uh, it should have been, been happened long ago. I mean, the guy had an exemplary career as a player and you know, uh, and as a coach. You, well, he, he is the only coach. He's the only coach in Mexico that has that has had a steady job as a coach since w- when he started his coaching career back in the in the early nineties. Yeah, he has not but, taken a year off his entire career. I mean, it's, I mean, he, ever since a player. You know, from player to coach, just had nothing has changed for him. Nothing. I mean, he's never been. He's, to my recollection, he's never been fired. You know, during the season. You know, the times he's been, you know, let go. It's you know, it was after the season, and right away, boom, he had a new, you know, he's had a new coaching gig. So, I mean, it's that's very impressive. No estén buscando tres patas al pinche gato que no tiene. Yeah, but very much, you know, deserved for Tuca. No, it's uh, he's. I mean, you guys, you guys know at least for me, he's one of my one of my favorite players when I was, you know, in, in my formal years when I was a kid, and I've always liked him as a coach. I know that his style of play isn't the most, uh, let's just say, photogenic, but you know, it, as as Ronnie has said, I mean, the guy has not not had work. He has he has worked continually his entire career, and that means that he gets results. The results speak for themselves, and he has well, uh, three or four well, titles. Two of the things that I find very admirable about him, one is has been his consistency, but the other one is that he tells it like it is. You know, he 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 really does, and and, and to a certain degree, I mean, to a certain point, you know, it, it, you know, I, I don't know if you've you know heard a lot of Chelis, you know, Chelis, the guy that works for uh, Sports Center, you know, Coach Puebla and stuff like that, right? Where where I mean he. He doesn't, you know, demonize or vilify the the whole, um, you know, the business of the game. And one of the things that I've always liked about Duca was that you know he didn't vilify the, the the business aspect of the game. You know, with the agents and the promoters and you know el pato de caballeros and all that type of stuff. I mean, he, uh, I, I've always just I've always liked that candidacy where hey, look, it, it's part of it. Stop making a big deal about it. So. I mean, it's, and it's not football related, but I, I just, you, you guys know me about, you know, about the Pacto de Caballeros. I'm, I'm in the very small minority. Did you like it? You think it's I do, I do, I do, I, I, I really do. I think, I think it's a necessary, and I don't even want to say it's an evil, but I think it's, it's a necessary way of doing business, especially in the global game. So, regardless of how unethical it is, you, 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 you feel that it is absolutely 100 percent. Necessary for the owners to maintain their hegemony over the players. The NFL, the NFL is also a gentleman's pact. Absolutely, Major, major League Major League Baseball is also a gentleman's pact. 
you know? So, I mean, <clears throat> it, it, and it's funny because the people that have always criticized the gentleman's pact, they are the first ones to point at the NFL and Major League Baseball and NBA. I'll look at them. I mean, that's just the model to, you know, the model to, 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 to go for. And I'm like, well, John, they also, they also have a gentleman's pact. Yes, what? Yeah, I agree with Ronnie on uh, the pact, especially like in Mexico. If if they if we didn't have it, you would see like like teams taking players. Um, there would be more players going abroad, but that wouldn't, you know, it would like cheapen the league a bit. And I don't think that would necessarily be a good thing because you have players that leave like Ulises Davila and and like even like Memo where they just go and and they don't really do much. And and though because you're so cheap they just discard you. And so you I think that the player gets more value if Yeah, they'll value him the more like like look at um look at um what's his face? Uh, can't remember his name right now. He went from Atletico to Raul. Yeah, Jimenez, Jimenez, there you go. They pay they pay like twelve million for him. So I mean he's he's gonna get many chances to triumph. Right. Had he gone really cheap, they would have just sent him to like some second, third division team to like rot. Yeah. But because he's worth so much money, they're 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 gonna try hard to I to... didn't get a chance. Did he get to play yesterday against uh München? Did anybody watch the game? That's twenty one minutes or something. Yeah. Did he did he have any plays? I don't think too much. I didn't get because he's he single-handedly uh, in this round. I'm thinking they were kind of uh, trying to hold on. Okay, so if he was going to get anything, it was going to be on a set play or a counter attack. Yeah, because uh, they're they're going to be playing at home, and I think they they, they like their chances there. So I think they were just kind of hoping hoping to minimize the damage. Right. Now, yeah. speaking of you know the whole round table gentleman's pact, did you guys uh, read about? I'm sure well, that you guys are aware of the Panama Papers. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The, the basically, I think, and I haven't read it. I haven't really read, you know, the entire thing of what's going on. But you know, maybe that's people, why Fernando isn't joining us tonight. Maybe he was implicated in the Panama Papers. <laughs> the Panama Senator. But, yeah, that's that no, sounds but, that sounds likely. But uh, okay, if I'm not, if I read correctly, uh, the dude from TV Azteca was implicated. Uh, Salinas, uh, but he was implicated indirectly, and the guy, I guess, and I, and I, and I shouldn't say it because you know, I mean, you're, no one's really guilty by association, but the one of the Ron family, you know, the dude from Tijuana, the Hanks, apparently, the Hanks, you know, the Hank, you know, Hank Ron and stuff like that. But um, uh, from what I understand is, you know, Salinas is, you know, basically saying, or I, I think a spokesman of them are saying that they're 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 clear of you know any wrongdoing, uh, but even even then I was still surprised. I, I was still surprised that you know what I thought that there would be more kind of like, you know how like when the whole FBI thing came about, and everybody's expecting like every NFL like you know Liga MX owner to be implicated. I mean, at least that's how the press in Mexico worked. Like they're all just corrupt, right? And, and, and it's only a matter of time. And it's only a matter of time. I feel that it's going to be one of those two that you know they're expecting. They're going to expect. Everybody, like you know, the Ascara guys, the Slims, and all that, and really just what one or two and the Campas, the Lunes. <laughs> I wish, I wish, you know, I had those offshore accounts. I'd use them too. 
No, I, I haven't read too much about because I've been incredibly busy because I had a I had a game that I had to produce this week, mm-hmm. so I didn't get a chance to catch up on it. But it seems like, and not that I really want to talk about this right now because this is the Los Acero Football Podcast, yeah, and not the Panama Papers. But it seems like what these papers are implicating is that what we've always said about how the world works is this is basically what it is is just showing the cost of doing business. I guess to, to to maintain your position is the cost to maintain your position. Is that what is that what the Panama Papers? Are? No, no. I wanted to bring it up that you know that you know despite you know that uh, you know that our football, even though we have the gentleman's pact, I still don't think that it's corrupt as you know the press in Mexico make it sound like oh the Mexican football is so corrupt. We're so See, corrupt. I don't mind having the gentleman's pact. That's fine. I just I just wish that the players had. Better representation. That 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 there was that there was more of an interest for the players. I mean, they can have the generals packed all day long as long yeah. as the players get taken care of. I'm fine with it. I think that's a, that's the big difference between the NFL and Liga MX is the players get taken care of. But the owners so much so that the owners don't like it because the players make so much. You got players not getting paid still. Pardon me. What was that, Albert? As you were saying, are there players that aren't getting paid? Or from Ch- Tijuana? No, Chiapas. I'm sorry, Chiapas. I've heard, I've heard a couple of teams. Well, no, yeah, Chiapas. Chiapas. There's, uh, there's teams every year. Puebla, like every other month, doesn't pay. It used to be Atlas forever, which is why I really enjoyed when. Well, there goes Cruz Azul. They're out of uh, the Liga MX. Anyway, they just lost three-two to uh, Necaxa, who guess what? Scored a late second-half goal to win. What a shock. Y la Cruz Azuleo? Who would have expected it? Anyway, as I was saying, uh, I, I thought it was very interesting that when Atlas was bought by TV Azteca, the sellers were upset that TV Azteca was taking so long to pay them. It cracked me up. Did y'all not see the irony in that? Is it, am I the only one that sees the irony in that? No. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So as we were saying in the beginning of the show, well, before we do that, let's talk a little bit more about Tigres because, uh, I mean, can we not say that Gignac has been one of the, the best investments that a Liga MX team has made in the past, I would I would say, 20 years. It's been a long time since we've had a player like this come in and and have the impact that he's had. No, Cabañas. Immediate impact with uh, Jaguares and immediate impact with America. Yeah, but Cabañas wasn't a guy that had already been had established on the world stage. This is a guy that everyone knew. And has he endeared him? Did Cabañas? I'm asking. Um, did he endear himself similar to the way Gignac has uh, embraced the uh, Tigres? I would say he has. Uh, I mean, Ronnie watched more of the America games back then, but it seemed like the the America crowd for sure had a thing for for Cabañas, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Like it. Different though, because he's because uh, Gignac is European. He changes his hair. Monterrey change uh, people from Monterrey change their hair. They name their kids after him. So it's the it's the whole idolizing of Europeans. That might. Well, I don't necessarily think it's European. I think it's just it's because he's a good player. But that that that's my point. I mean, we haven't had a guy who was an established national team star. You know, come from another country. I mean, now we've had guys that came and, and became great players and then established themselves on the national teams. But we've never had a guy like that, I would say, since Oman Bidik. 
I mean, it's been that long, in my opinion. It's kind of cool that it's coinciding with the with the success that he's having with his national team, which and, is expected and, to do really uh, well. Yeah, with Benzema getting hurt today, I mean, it's looking like a real possibility. Mm-hmm. This guy's going to start for France in the Euros, and probably and then, like you said, hopefully do very well. It's going to be great. It's going to make Liga MX look fan, look fantastic. They're going to get so much more publicity from that than anything that's going to happen this summer. If he has yeah, a good, that's if he probably has a good the first time, right? There's been a Liga MX player playing the Euros. You know what? That's interesting. I bet you you're right. Maybe Camoranesi in 2004. Oh, yeah. But, you're I, right. or, but I don't know if he was. I mean, I, no, I no, but I mean, currently, currently. Yeah, but current, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, he was already at Juventus. Hey, speaking of. Uh, hold on, sorry to interrupt, guys, but uh, on our Twitter, uh, Mr. Joel Dena says, I'd really like to support, but what the F is up with this racist... Mm. And uh, they're looking at the uh, Hoel's uh, uh, avatar. What? It's that's, a plus fam. That's, that's <laughs> Mimim Pinguin. That's, uh, I know. <laughs> that's a very famous Mexican uh, children's book. I know, I know. And he's wearing a, a Chivas shirt. I know. <laughs> Why, hey, Dan. Yes. Why are you laughing, Dan? I'm coughing, dude. I'm coughing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lie. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. You know, we have another one of our uh, folks on uh, on the YouTube. David Copeland is saying "Kyobole." So "Kyobole" back to David. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you tuning in. But anyway, back to back to Shinyak. So, Cole, I think you're right. I think this is this is the first. Current player is going to is that for Liga Mekis that's going to play in the Euro. That's that's actually very interesting. But anyway, I, I think that he's been a tremendous asset to the league. I think it's he's given what the league, in my opinion, sorely lacks, which is more of a global presence. Not that not necessarily that they have to uh, attract you know and over and overpay for players. No, don't do that. But just you know, if if the league shows itself as a very attractive lead, then there's going to be some guys saying, you know what, they pay well, he's having a good time, you know, maybe maybe we can get some of the, if we're going to keep importing players, you know, get, whether it's, uh, you know, European or, you know, maybe a, a more expensive Brazilian or Argentine or Chilean or whatever it is, I think it's great. I think it's great for the league. It's going to really help. And, and I think it, what's, what, what, what makes it, what, I guess it, the fact that it's mutually beneficial, where it's not just Liga MX benefiting from this, the fact that Gignac is personally benefiting from this also, I think that more than anything is going to help bring in more. Or like potentially bring in players of that stature. At least I'm hoping, because it, it's, it's, he's really fun to watch. You know, and, and he's been a true pro, too. I've seen him do interviews in Spanish, and I think that that's a lesson for a lot of the younger players from whatever country... You live in to if you end up working in another country, learn the language, and it's going to help you, uh, uh, help you achieve success. So the fact that he speaks Spanish, and you know, I think that that has certainly helped his uh, not necessarily his game, but his level of professionalism, something he doesn't have to worry about. So I think he's do, done done great. Yes, Hall. Do you guys know if his, if uh, his family lives in Mexico? Because I I remember seeing pictures of his dad and his brother getting Tigres tattoos. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I don't know. If they, I, know I know that his family is because he's had kids uh, born in Monterrey, hasn't he? 
Yeah, like one that we know of. He <laughs> <laughs> must. <laughs> He's visited Monterey before. Okay, so Mon- Monterrey is nice, man. Oh, did I say Monterey again? Oh, good lord, that's what I meant. Monterrey. So you guys have to catch me. I know that the La Academia Española is listening, and I, and I can't, I can't anglicize these terms. So you have to, y'all have to. I mean, I, Sorry. I can still say Huitzilopochtli, Quetzalcoatl, San Juan de Panigarico, So I mean, let's keep it real here. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about something that I know that uh, you know. Maybe Juan Uribe is listening. Maybe he will decide that he wants to talk about it. But uh, oh, I hit the wrong button. I'm sorry about that. Hold on. I meant to hit this button. <laughs> wow, they had a quite the show. Four zero for Guadalajara. They beat Pumas. It was a late game, so uh, a lot of folks that uh, maybe weren't. Going to watch, ended up tuning in. They got a, a huge ratings, and uh, you know, it looks like a star is born with this guy, Bachofis. You know, he scored two goals in two weeks, which I guess is enough to make you a superstar in uh, any country. So good for him. Joel. You yes, said sir. You didn't get to watch the game, but I know you've seen all the reactions. I have, I have. You've been a, a Chivas fan your entire life. How do you feel about this? What do you, what do you think is happening here? Is this fool's gold, or are we starting to see the the start of something? No, I think the team was at a similar level. Uh, if we remember a few tournaments back, they reached the semifinals. Uh, a year ago. It, it was last year. Yeah, a year ago. I wouldn't say a year. I don't think it was it a yeah, whole it was year. Last year. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean it's it's. It's a lot of the same players. You know, the core of the team is still there. Uh, I just think one of the things that happened was that Torados got relegated, and that I think that took a lot of pressure from uh, players that were just feeling it, and they were able to, to you know, just loosen up. And, you know, the other thing, I guess, Almeida finally figured out, you know, how to, how to move his pieces. It took him a long time. It's too bad Pern's not here to defend him. I know he's. Because <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna try to play his role real quick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yes. wear his hat real quick, and and I'll just say that maybe just maybe that. And I have heard many coaches say this that in order for their for anyone's system to really get ingrained um, into the players, it takes time. And perhaps now enough time has passed where where that system is starting to function the way he wants it to, and the results are starting to yeah. to show that. No, I agree. I, I mean, I agree. I agree with that. But see, it wasn't a necessary move, given that the team had already been doing good. So then, I mean, I think people forget how much of a change hurt the team, set it back a few a few steps. And uh, that's, that's the whole thing with Chivas, though. I mean, we can expect to see that happen all over again. You know, it, it, they do good for a while, and then, then they they revert back to to their old ways. But, so you don't uh, think that they can keep it up? You think that this is just uh, it's, it's is per, just the, the it's Yeah, it's Bergara we're talking about. He, his track record it's, it speaks for itself. 
Now, I found it very interesting, Joel, that after the game, and I know that this is just coaches being coaches, but the coach uh, was, was very adamant. Uh, I, I might even have it. Hang on, if I can find it. He was very adamant to say, hey, man, you know, we haven't done anything yet. And I actually think I have the quote. Here he is. El que se vive cuestionados, ayer veía a la América y Ambrí fue cuestionado todos los partidos y está segundo. Creo que ahí habría que ser un poco más mesurado y dejarnos que trabajemos un poco, a ver hasta dónde llegamos. Si los clubes hacen contrato por dos años, un año y medio, bueno, seremos juzgados al final. Eh, pero bueno, también entiendo que la crítica es parte de este ambiente en el cual vivimos todos y... Y es parte de esto, es parte del circo del fútbol, de, del folclore. Y uno tiene que aprender a convivir. Y cuando los resultados son buenos, eh, hay que aprovecharlos porque dan confianza. Y cuando son malos, hay que abstraerse un poco al comentario y trabajar. No queda otra. So, you know, that's what you would expect a coach to say. Hey, this is no big deal, we just got to keep going. You know, feet on the ground, we haven't done anything. We move on from here. If things go well, great. If they don't, we got to make sure that we can get back on that track. So that's a very reasonable, measured response from what happened. And then Jorge Vergara, the next day, is like, man, wouldn't it be great if, if Guadalajara played America in the final? It's like, dude, calm down. <laughs> At least get in position to even qualify for the playoffs first. Or yeah, as I can say, no. Yeah, always bringing unnecessary uh, pressure. And, and the other guy who's helping them run the team, he's... He's just as bad. Uh, he he had come out on the press talking about I don't make any decisions about you know players who what players we bring or what players we get. And then less than a week later, he's tweeting out to fans asking them which goalkeeper would you like for next season. <laughs> which uh, Ordiales had to come out and just <laughs> say you know I'm the one that makes the call. But but we know it's it's gonna be uh, Iguera. Since he's fronting the money. So how many more? How many more weeks do you think this? Because I mean, I mean, it's not just this game. They beat Monterrey and Monterrey three-one, and they looked good in there. And so what? They beat it. They beat the super leaders from the last season, and the current super leader in, in consecutive weeks, and outscored them seven to one. That's pretty good. John. Yes. I think they're going to be a scary team in the playoffs. I mean, it looks like they're going to maybe get in. They're not. They're not a team that I'd want to face. Like they have in, nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose. And if they're on a hot, so you're absolutely right. They, I mean, they have. You know, they. They don't have bad players. They just don't. And don't. we and we know that. Like I mean, Santos uh, just a year ago, they they won a championship just because they found the the right form at the right time. That's right. Eked into the playoffs and then beat the number one seed Tigres. I Which think, wasn't uh, at full strength, uh, granted, but still beat them and then uh, went on to beat, I believe, Chivas and then Querétaro. <clears throat> that is correct. That do you know that to me? It's it's what I don't I don't like about the league. Like Chivas, Chivas could qualify to Liguilla, but they're also just seven points from last place. I think when you have teams like very inconsistent, and then to still be able to win the championship. I, I just, to me, it kind of like it cheapens it. Yeah, it does. I, I know we talk. Dirty. You feel dirty when you watch a league game. Not dirty, but but I think games would be more intense if there was like. Do you? Uh, if it was play? more more difficult, and I know we talked about this well, before. But you also. Wait, wait, hold on. It, 
It was we've talked about if it was just the top four teams qualifying for Liguilla. Well, that would make much more sense, but let's remember who runs the league. No, yeah. and let's not forget. I mean, what you want is people to pay attention. If you just remove all that, you're not just removing those four teams. You're removing all those uh, like eight, nine, ten, and eleven teams who are within striking distance of getting in the playoffs who are going to lose complete interest. But then do we have the Copa MX. But here's here's the thing, Joel, and then this. But only 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 you guys uh, celebrate that one, dude. <laughs> here's well, the thing, Joel. Yeah. The New York Giants in the NFL, uh, twice in the in the past five six years, whatever it is, won Super Bowls after winning nine games and losing seven games in the regular season. So they they were one game away from being a 500 team. You can't get any mediocre than 500. But nobody, except for cynics like me, remember that the Giants were 9-7 and seven when they won those Super Bowls. All they remember is that they won the Super Bowls. So Chivas, when they won their last title back in 19... What was it, 78? When, when did they last win, Chivas? 2006. Ronnie, when was it? Was it in the 30s, Ronnie? <laughs> That's pretty funny. But anyway, 2006... Do you remember what place they were in in the regular season, or do you remember that they won in 2006? Well, you're, they were they you're qualified in, in eighth place. In eighth place, Chivas in eighth place. Yes, in eighth place. So do you celebrate it any less because they? they no, Com- compare. Hold on. Compared to like Campionissima error, like, eh, those those were the real championships Correct. right there, man. We had to weaken the. Were you alive during the Campionissima? Did you I, witness I the Campionissimo? I was not, but, but that's what real championships are made of, dude, then. That gold weighs heavier. Huh? You cannot claim them if you didn't see it. <laughs> that's my rule about championships. I did get to see the long season format when they had Campion de Invierno, which didn't really mean anything. When they... they <laughs> I remember Andres Cantor dijo una vez... Celebran el campeonato del invierno en el verano y el campeonato del verano en el invierno. <laughs> yeah, I think we're, I think we're uh, going overboard on the Chivas victories. So you think they need to, that this is nothing? All they've done is gone from 16th to 10th, is what you're saying, Albert? Yeah, they, I mean, there's, they could still lose the next four or five games, and I wouldn't be surprised. And the same thing goes for, uh, for Tigres. I think even though they're in the final of the CCL, and Gignac scored those two goals. I, I think he's he's sort of like not in a slump, but he's not doing as good as he was before. Before he was scoring golazos. These last two goals from yesterday, they were sort of out there, and the defense was weak and stuff. So I, hey man. I think he's sort of on a, on a low end, and we'll see how he how he does in the Euros and for the national team and everything. But uh, and then Chivas, I mean Pumas wasn't really doing that great. The Monterrey win sort of was, you know, that's legit. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Chivas still slump. Um, I'd, I'd be surprised to see them, you know, win three in a row from. So here you out. think this is an anomaly, and it's it, it, like the, all the indicators are pointing the other way. This is this is it shouldn't be happening. Yeah, there's there's ups and downs throughout the whole season and things like that, and that's why I sort of agree with Hoed about the Liguilla and how it's cheapened with the with the current way it's set up and how these lower level teams can get in. Um, and then I, I guess. Yeah, but, I, I, but remember who runs the league and who benefits the most from that. Yeah, it's about the money. Of course. And I, I think part of the we're going to probably get to it. He was talking about you know like liking the way it's set up. I think that's what he said instead of the uh, 
like the full single season and I wouldn't I want I would be you know okay with the Spanish league type of format with the top the super leader winning the whole thing. Well, you know what would be really cool and and I think that this this would solve two things. Have your long season, that's fine. Still have Liguilla because I think after a long season if you're eighth best, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But to, to coincide, if you can have a half Copa MX and have a real Copa MX, bring in the lower divisions. I've always thought, we've talked about this in the past, you know, why not throw in MLS and the, some of the like NASL and some of the divisions here and just have a huge 96 team or whatever it is, you know, season-long tournament and, and have it culminate in April somewhere. It'd be great. Like an FA Cup top. I think that would be... If they went to the long season, I think that'd be great. Now, let's talk about this La Chofis kid. Is this uh, is this just a flash in the pan reaction, or does this kid have have the the talent and the chops and everything else to succeed? Do we know why he hasn't played that much? Is it is it just are they just bringing him along slowly, or is he just or has he been more inconsistent? There's been a combination of things. Also, the the constant changing of coaches. So he he debuted when Galindo was coach. Because I I personally think the I mean the the limited times I've seen him, pretty incredible stuff. I, I think he's man he's he's got some 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 really sick moves. I mean, very few people, very few players are able to pull those kind of stunts. You know, I'm not you know, sure. If, if he's able to do that though consistently, though, I mean that's really going to determine whether or not he's. They're they're saying they were talking about him today in the morning, and they were saying he has two baby mamas. So I think that that was part of it. You know, his probably head wasn't in the right place. Is that too, is that too many? I thought that. I mean, if he's 21 and two kids five. already. He, you know, was his mind just on the football, or was he? Now would they be chofisitos or chofinitos? The morality. <laughs> Dan, I don't know if you knew this, but he actually, uh, La Chofis actually comes from Santos uh, Youth. Yes, I I recently found that out. Um, He got uh, (laughs) purchased uh, um, as a youth player. And the guy that they brought him, you you really can't say discovered, but, but, you know, pushed to bring him back. He just got sacked from Chivas not too long ago. And I know, I know Juwan doesn't like that guy, but... It was Real who uh, who made the deal to bring when him. When is Real going to get rehired? <laughs> I don't. Maybe in two, three years. But you know it's going to happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, this proves my, uh, my my point, and Ronnie will agree with me. Uh, the the morality of the players, and and them following the rules and not going and having three baby mamas and stuff like that is going to improve their ability on the field. <laughs> and I know Ronnie agrees with me on that one, right? Nope. <laughs> well, I, I think it depends on the person. Example, yeah, it depends. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm Some sure person. there's plenty of uh, partiers out there yeah, they, they that, handle we'll see, it. that are 100% image, professional. It's all image. For all we know, Chicharito is this, just this you know, great kid who took his family to, you know, to, he's taking him to England and to Germany and you know, he keeps to himself, and it's very. For all we know, he's like a raging heroin addict, and the only reason his family's there <laughs> is because he's treated them like so, slaves to 
to harvest the opium from the poppies to make he's, heroin. He's like Todd Marinovich, a functioning heroin addict. Exactly. For all, but you know, his image is totally different. So we don't we don't know who the real guy is. So the praying the praying before the games is all an act. Right, and and maybe all this trophies, you know, maybe this this two baby mama stuff is an act. I, I think he, I, I think you know, I think he was, I think he may be praying to Odin, you know, you know, maybe maybe he's really a mongol or something, you know. It's it keeps him on the right path though. Whoever he prays to, yeah, <laughs> great. No, but but you know, guys, trophies debuted when uh, when Galindo was coaching. I can't even remember how many coaches back that was. So I mean, that that's been part of Chivas' problem, like. Yeah, you're. Uh, that, that's he, he he does look promising, though. Hey, but but you know, they like said the, you know, they they said the same thing about you know Jair Garcia. They said the same thing about you know. They said a lot of what you say, yeah. They said about Luis Angel Landin when he had a hat trick. Oh, watch out for this guy. I never said that. <laughs> but, like, you know, but even Arellano didn't have this kind of like um, like two footedness and, and I mean. Well, he did. The difference was that he would miss the shot. Do, do Maybe that's guys, what it is. Do you guys remember yeah. the YouTube videos comparing Arellano to Messi? Those are shameful. Those were embarrassing. I do <laughs> remember that. Was that made by a Rayados fan? <laughs> no, he was still at Chivas. Yeah. You know, it's too bad Fernando is with us. That was all ready for him. <laughs> okay, so... That's Don Ramon, right? Don Ramon is telling Mariga that... Let me ask you this, Ronnie. Was Don Ramon, is he Chivas, or not Chivas, America's greatest coach, Don Ramon? Yeah. When he has to be, right? From from El Chample? La Volpe, La Volpe, La Volpe. No, Don Ramon has to go. I mean, he he found that Chample, he put him in. That's such a great movie. Yeah. You know, that's when I play golf and I hit a terrible slice. I call that my dad's ball. That's my, just my champ now. You know? <laughs> but anyway, back to the trophies. Here's an interesting uh, point to think about. Let's say that this guy c- continues to get hot or play well, gets, well, there's five games. Let's say he scores two or three more and then does well in the playoff or in the, or in the Liguilla, La Liguilla for uh, Chivas. He's only 21. He hasn't been part of this Proceso Olimpico. Will there be pressure to for Potro who's, to use this guy, the trophies in the Olympic team? I think it basically depends on whether the media decides to do it or not. I mean, I think if it's up to him, he probably won't add anybody new. Brings me to my second point, and this is what I was teasing earlier today, something that I found extremely interesting and I had no idea it had happened. Televisa and TV Azteca are not going to televise the Olympics because Slim bought the rights. Who's Slim? Who Slim got? He put it on Canal 22 because it has to be on public TV. So he put it on Canal 22 and ESPN and, and Fox Deportes is going to air the Olympic Games. So here's my question. Because... Of that, how much pressure is FMF going to put on the Olympic team, or how much pressure is going to be put on them? None. To absolutely zero. To bring guys in the Olympic team. Uh, yeah, you're right. 
So are they gonna if they want? I'm not saying Andres Guardado's guy, but say they wanted Andres Guardado. We we saw we saw a schism, uh, you know, when uh, when what's his name uh, the dude from Puebla, Emilio Mauro, he uh, when he took you know the reins away from Televisa back in ninety two ninety three. You know, when they brought in, when they brought in Minotti and stuff like that. And in fact, you know, Televisa said, you know what, screw you guys. You're not going to play, you know, I mean, that's why Mexico wasn't playing their home games in Azteca. They were playing them at the, uh, Estadio Azul. Uh, and obviously, you know, after some poly tricking around, you know, Televisa finally, you know, got their way. And, uh, and the guys, you know, they lost, you know, they lost juice, you know, like, you know, Emilio Mauro and stuff like that. I think, I think he even ended up in jail, if I'm not, if I recall correctly. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, you know, when Teve Azteca came on board, you know, when, when they went from, you know, being state owned to Teve Azteca, obviously they're, you know, Televisa, you know, Televisa and Teve Azteca, they were basically, you know, testing each other out, competing against each other, but, but they found common ground. For some reason, for some reason, Slim is not finding common ground with, uh, with, uh, with Azteca and Televisa. Well, yeah, it's because he wants to make his own money. Well, I mean, well, I mean, well, Dev Azteca, you know, also wants to make their own money, and so does Televisa, but they found common ground. You know, Slim isn't finding trying to find common ground. But Ronnie, yeah, didn't didn't Televisa have to use Dev Azteca satellites? Well, I mean, they they both they both helped each other out. I mean, they both you know gone off their feeds. Well, well I mean, Televisa is actually the one that has better feeds, in my opinion, but. Uh, but the the thing the thing is, and I think one of the reasons why you know Slim is playing you know more you know hardball is because of the whole smartphone access, and basically you know Ascarraga and Salinas see that as a, as a as a threat because you know people are starting to watch games uh, on their on their smartphones on their devices and stuff like that so they're basically what he wants to do is he wants to cut out the middleman he wants to cut out you know TV Azteca and he wants to cut out you know Televisa and all their channels and stuff so I mean it's it's I mean I've you know th- since since you know Slim actually came on board I mean I, I've kept up with it you know here and there and it it, it just seems like you know these guys are not going to budge I, like like it seems like you know Salinas and 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 Azcarraga TV Azteca and Televisa they're basically, you know, at at odds with Slim, with his uh, Tel, you know, Telmex and Telcel and whatever, you know, companies. So going back to football, I, I don't know. Maybe I don't see the teams. I don't see the teams uh, going to put that much importance on the on the Olympics because of this. <clears throat> Hello. I think we lost Ronnie there. Did you lose me? Sorry about that. I had to step away for a second. Did we lose you, Ronnie? Were you in the middle of your rant? No, no, no. I'm here. All right. So I found it interesting that because of the fact that uh, the Olympics won't be on either Azteca or Televisa for now, you know, things could change. It seems like the Olympic team may not take the... Uh, seriousness that one would expect from FMF when it comes to tournaments like this. And it makes me wonder if uh, if they're gonna if they ask for overage players, I'm almost positive 
that they're all going to be from Liga MX is because of that, because I don't think they're going to make the effort to call up players where they would have to negotiate with a club. Do you all agree or disagree? I don't agree or disagree. Fernando, you're with us. <laughs> yes, I'm here. How are you doing? Thanks, thanks for joining us. I'm glad you were able to, to uh, make it tonight. Fernando Regino from Phoenix, Arizona, everybody, has joined the Dos Acero Football Podcast. But, uh, Fernando, we missed out on some great uh, Almeida talk, but it's over now, so uh, we'll, have, okay, to, we'll have to move on. Almeida's doing the talking on the field, you know, making, getting the results, almost getting himself to the Liguilla, so... Almost like, is the key word right there. Yeah, you know, so... You Hasn't know, done it yet. He looks like he's... Uh, Iguera did the right moves, and, you know, and sticking out with him was a good move by Vergara and Iguera, you know, so... So, and anybody else? Does anybody else think that, uh, like I do, that because of the fact that these games won't be on the Televisoras, then they're not going to necessarily make the effort to get maybe a, a couple of bigger name players to play the tournament? I personally think that the tournament shouldn't get that much importance. Um, I think the team's got a unique chance of uh, almost hosting a Copa America Centenario, which will have. Some teams that may not go into it uh, with the intention of actually like of going out to to actually win it because they're going to have uh, quali- quali- uh, World Cup qualifying more um, on their minds. And I personally think they probably devalue they don't value this this rendition of it as much. So uh, I think it's a good opportunity for Mexico to go for the win on or maybe or at least just put their best team out there for that and make that the priority and. Let uh, let the kids play the the Olympics. Well, they're going to play with three overage players regardless. So, I mean, that's every team. I mean, they'd be stupid not to take advantage of that. I'm sorry, I meant uh, Liga MX. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So, anybody else have any thoughts? Am I am I just blown smoke up my own ass? I personally think they they should put priority on the on the. You know the Olympic team, but I can see why. Yeah, you know we already won it. You know we are the technically we are the defending champs, so I can see why. You know, eh, it's resting on laurels a little bit longer since we already won it. Let's go for Copa America now, since it looks like we are very likely that we have a very good shot at winning. So I think uh, I can see why the emphasis on Copa America. You know, Fernando, it's interesting that you you came on when you did because we were talking about La Chofis over at Chivas, and I know that when Javier was having his hot streak right before the World Cup in 2010, you were very adamant to remind us that that he was just a flash in the pan, and and because he was at Chivas, that it, that, that that what he was doing was more based on hype than actual actions on the field, and then. You know, the rest is history. So do you think that uh, La Trophies is the same thing? You know, I think it's – I think it could be the same thing. But he's, I think he's getting overhyped, you know, because, what, he only had, like, a few goals, you know. It's not that big of a deal in Liga MX. But 
you know, but I will have to say that if he is turns out to be a gem, you know, Almeida is the one who discovered him, and he will. He so you would give you would give all the credit to the player himself. You'd give the credit to the coach. Yeah, I give him the chance. You know, you know, put what's his name down, uh, Omar Bravo. Jesus Christ, man, that guy should have been benched like long time ago, or probably kicked out of Liga MX. To be honest with you, but. Yeah. <laughs> why, why would it be kicked out of Liga MX? What? 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 What transgressions did he commit that would want that would that would force his ouster of Liga MX? <laughs> well, for one, he's been ruining uh, football. He took away the chance of somebody like Elcompi to come be discovered sooner. Isn't he taller than you, Fern? Who? Or my brother? Just by a little bit. Not that so much. I have a picture next to him. <laughs> <laughs> So I love if, that you picture, were Bravo's, if you were prosecuting Omar Bravo right now, you would say that he had to leave the league or leave Liga Mekis immediately because he was ruining the league. He just, no, he's just – Pern got mad because when uh, when he covered that game in, Vancouver, in Edmonton a couple years back. What? You, when you went to watch the Mexico playing in Canada a couple years back. Okay. You, um, you know, you the, were mad that he was. He was. That, that, that wanted to hug me. No, you were mad that he wasn't making eye contact with you. What are you talking about? He, we're all be like, nice, oh, Ronnie. What? Be nice. Be nice. You were. You were mad that he wasn't making eye contact with you, but it's not his fault. He was the one getting more, more closer to me and everything. He wanted more Mexican than than in Canada. <laughs> so no, it has nothing to do with that. He was actually one of the few nice guys who were actually very nice. So he was nice to you, and, and you've done nothing but trash him for the past Well, you know, year. we're talking about football, you know. As a person, I'm pretty sure he's, he must be cool, and that's what he was. You know, he was nice and professional. But as a fo- football player, my God, he's been trash. And he's been trash for a while now. Embarrassing football in the international stage and also in the league I make So... You know, like I said, taking away spots from somebody who could have, you know, been a lot better. You know, so that, that, he, like I said, he should have been sent back to MLS. Long. You know, people might uh, feel the same way about Aldo de Nigris. Aldo de Nigris gave us a nice goal this week against Leon, so I don't know. You you might be wrong there. He's actually producing, he's produced, and he's still producing, and he's part of that team that's Super leader right now. There's a difference for having Omar Bravo that's trash and no and and bring. I think the big out. difference, though, Fern and John. I think the big difference between the two is the fact that one of them is choked and choked a lot and often and in huge moments, where the other one probably hasn't. Oh my God! The Negris has produced what? What is it? Like three uh, Copas, the Champions League, and then two. Uh, uh, those campeonatos de liga, he's definitely won a lot. How many has Omar Bravo won? Like one, right? I don't know. One liga de Mickey's. And so I, I, I still can't get over the fact that he was nice to you. He was nice. Being a good football player has nothing to do with so, you know, how nice of a person It, it, it kind of leads into your, you know, I guess we can like button this, this segment, Pern, with. Uh, with with how how Pern usually feels about folks. You, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. And fuck 
Well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Hey, you know, I'm a nice guy to people. I don't know what you're talking about. We're talking about football here, so. <laughs> okay, so final so question, why we'll, and we'll button this. Uh, this should just trophies play in the Olympics, yes or no? Go ahead. I don't know. It depends. If he keeps his current form, he would be a good addition. So you so you say if if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he should be on the team. Or Certainly. He, yeah. he could he could be the he could be the Peralta of the team. Okay. Oh here's Ronnie. a better question actually. What if uh Usorio decides to take two kilos sano to the Copa America and you know and the, instead they're gonna send the trophies to uh to the Olympics. That'd be okay with you guys? Absolutely. I'd be I'd I'd be totally fine with that. What about you, Joel? Yeah, I do think uh, Mexico should concentrate on uh, winning the Centenario, and uh, they should send their best players to that cup. There's no question. Now, as far as three players in the in the local league, you know, I thought that Jonathan Dos Santos would be a good option for the Olympic team because, I mean, I think obviously he's you know good enough to to handle it. But since he's just coming off injury. You know, maybe it would be a better opportunity for him to to do that. And then I figured it's going to be uh, well, I thought it'd be Memo Choa. And then I thought I don't know who the forward. I just have no idea who the forward would be because I just don't know if any forwards are worthy of it. At least Mexican forwards. So I have no. Maybe it'll be Matias Walsh or something. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. It's uh, time to talk about the Super Clásico. We had a Real Madrid Barcelona game that happened over the weekend, and coincidentally, this was the second game, the second time this year. Well, I guess in the other, on the home and home that they played immediately after a fecha FIFA. It seems like somebody was punishing both teams. I don't know if it was the the, the Spanish league or FIFA or, or maybe a combination of both to have what most people consider the biggest club game of the world played where their players aren't necessarily going to be at their best. But with any rate, it seemed like the, uh, you know, a lot of folks like Martin del Palacio thinks that this is the a new beginning for Zinedine Zidane and what he may be able to accomplish there. They had a late victory with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo scoring in the 85th minute to win 2-1. I know a lot of y'all watched it, Ronnie. What uh, what happened in the game? What was your what was your assessment? Uh, I honestly thought that Real Madrid was kind of lucky to come out with a win. Uh, Barcelona, I thought, played better, um, but but Barcelona just kind of just fell pretty bad at the end. And you know, props to uh, to uh, the BBC for uh, coming up huge on the uh, hello BBC. Yeah. yeah. You know, they came up huge, and uh, much could have did them, you know, for today <laughs> against the German, you know, against the Germans in the Champions do, League. Do but you think, Ronnie, they, they blew their load on that game? I think they did. Well, I, I think they I think they did blow their load. I, I, I don't think they could match the German, uh, the German, uh, the Wolfsburg, you know. It was just too much. Ronnie, do you think that the... The BBC's deep penetration. 
You should use that because Christian, Christian, that if Christian were here, if the uh, deep penetrations of the defense were the uh, were the difference, because both goals were were scored like within three yards away from the goal mouth, which you know I guess is one way to to go after <laughs> Barcelona is to you know run them all the way to the end. So do you think that that the the deep penetration helped? I think so. I, I think so. Um, did you notice, like I did, that Barcelona's defense was was quick? Excuse me. <laughs> Allergies. Excuse me. I had a. It's it's an allergy season here in Austin, and I can't cough. <laughs> I hope you're proud of yourself, Ronnie. <laughs> Nothing says good radio like dead air. <laughs> yes, sorry about that, John. No, it's all right. It's uh, <laughs> you know, this is not the not the time. That's the way Chickies can always edit this. Hey, I just, just think about my dead cat. Just some five guys listening to us live. Right? Well, you're right. We should uh, keep it professional. Thank you, Joel. You know, as always, Joel, keeping it real. Welcome, Fantasy Island. What is your major malfunction, num nuts? Ah, so thank you, Joel. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, Ronnie, I was uh, I was thinking, did you think that the the deep penetrations that by the end had left? Uh, Barcelona's defense quivering was what I was trying to ask. I I think so. I think uh, uh, you know. No, I mean, obviously, you know, they they uh, Barcelona tends to throw advance you know advance their lines up, and uh, I I just think I mean I just think especially after the uh, who was the one that got sent off? What's the name? Uh, Sergio Ramos. No, Sergio Ramos. Mm-hmm. I, I just think they got careless, you know. I mean, and, and honestly, the goal that uh, that Bale scored, which was you know called, um, you know, I thought that was a legitimate goal. So I mean, the game, you know, the game could have ended three, you know, three one. You know, I saw that too. Because I, honestly, I thought I, I thought it was kind of a, a bad call as well. And uh, it, it, I mean, he, I mean, by that by that point, Bale had already basically was already in the air. Yeah. And. Uh, I thought it was just a, it was a fair I mean just like a normal play and uh... there's no question that a, that a team like Real Madrid has the has the horses to really stretch Barcelona defensively and it's not something that Barcelona is used to I think you know especially in Europe I think we you know some of the more attacking teams could take notice is that if you can you know jar the ball away from them you can you you can cause some damage. And because uh, they're not necessarily as strong defensively as some might think. Once you get get, get past biscuits, man, is he not the, just like the like the, the greatest vacuum cleaner on the planet? I mean, that guy's just incredible. What a great player. He's a diver and he's an embellisher, and I get that. But man, he just he just cleans up. It's he's incredible. He really is amazing. Hey, I wanted to bring up the, I don't know if you guys are on top of what's going on 
what happened in Panama, the Panama Papers? Yeah, we already uh, we you got to quit joining the sessions late, Fernando. I know that you're you know busy there on Capitol Hill with the Senate and all, but <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I wanted we, to bring we, that we, up we since we're talking about the classical. We touched on it a little bit. What? Uh, very quickly, give us your. I have a, I have a timer here, so so you have one minute. Give us All your right. thoughts. Go. <laughs> well, Lionel Messi is kind of in a slump right now, and you know he had a bad game uh, on that day on, on Saturday. Even though the Panama Papers uh, were technically not disclosed until Sunday, but still, you know he probably knew what was coming. He's been kind. He's been kind of in a slump, and I think it's affecting this guy. So who knows? They that, they might give a chance to Real Madrid to catch up. And what, what's the difference? Like ten points? <laughs> well, it'd be seven now. It's not too sad. I mean, they have Atleti that they're playing in the in the in the quarters here in the Champions League, which are, you know, is certainly a team that can that can do to uh, do the same damage that Real Madrid did. Well, maybe not the same damage. Well, it's funny because I, he's uh, you know Messi's implicated in the Panama Papers. Uh, uh, allegedly, but uh, also uh, what's his name uh, Javier Mascherano? He was actually, I mean he was actually convicted of uh, you know tax evasion in um, over there in Spain. So, and I mean I don't think it affected. I really don't think it affected his game. You know, play all that much. So I don't know. I just I think I think just they they weathered this for the most part. And then you know, uh, I think they took advantage of of, of Barcelona's because I think they were just attacking just for the sake of attacking. Well, that's what end, I noticed, and, and they were just getting careless. They were just desperate and careless and taking shots that they would normally just wouldn't take. You know, shots and just making bad decisions. I think you're right, Ron. I think, I think that Real Madrid got in their heads. I mean, it was it was pretty obvious that they were were a team that was was playing a way that. No one was accustomed to seeing, and uh, you know, especially them themselves as players. So they were just out; they were a little out of their element. So that's what I said. I think that this, uh, you know, certainly gives teams, you know, with very talented offensive players like maybe you know Manchester City and PSG, whoever wins that, Bayern Munich, obviously, and uh, even the same Real Madrid. Even though today they. <laughs> Had that hangover game against the team that that Chicharito beat 3-0 the Friday before. So does that mean that Bayern Leverkusen is or Bayer Leverkusen, excuse me, is five goals better than Real Madrid? Because that's what we saw this weekend. No, but I, one thing I do think I think you're discounting, um, you're overlooking Benfica. I think they got a legitimate chance of winning. They do. No, there, there's no question they do. But I'm saying, I mean, I'm saying the teams that have a real offensive juggernaut. I mean, I'm not saying that they're gonna. That, that that's not who I'm calling as a favorite. I think that the, the you know teams that that do well offensively and and a, a, attacking teams certainly would uh, shouldn't be scared of Barcelona. Is what I'm trying to say. I would agree. Um, and five. the few games that I've watched of theirs, even the the lower table teams that have given them games, it's because they decided to throw the caution to the wind and yeah. actually attack them. They definitely have. They definitely provide space if you could uh, get through that initial pressure. Once you get, once they have the, once they have possession, um, they leave acres of space. 
You know, Ronnie, you would be proud of me. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking soccer with some of the crew guys I was working with. And uh, they were talking about the U.S. And I was like, you know, people keep saying that, that in this country, though, and if our best athletes played, then the U.S. would be a power at, at, at soccer. And I was like, well, wait a second. I said, you know, the two best players over the past 10 years, aside from Messi and Ronaldo, you know, those uh, have been guys. I mean, how tall is Xavi? Is he is he five four? He can't be much bigger than that. Five six. Five at six. Most. And Iniesta's the same way, right? I mean, and if they weigh one hundred and forty pounds, I'd be shocked. And and those no. guys dominated the world for ten years. Both of them. They knew how to shield the. They knew how to shield the ball away from you know from bigger opposition. Uh, they knew how to. Uh, they knew how to do the basically the most simplest task that you're supposed to do in the game of soccer is pass the ball and receive the ball. And you know, I, I still see you know I still see it you know even in top flight leagues where you know players have a hard time trapping the ball. You know, and it's like they just they just made the game so simple. You know, Xavi and Iniesta. I don't, I don't, I don't think we're going to see another uh, set of players like that. You know, it's, we're going to have to wait at least two, three, you know, two, you know, two generations, two, three generations to see that. You know who, uh, who I hey, see with Shavi? Yes, Dan. I'm sorry. I, I, I was gonna. I'm not sure if what, what, where exactly you're going with this, but uh, if you are going in this direction, I would include Messi too. That these players would probably be overlooked if they were American because they're not athletic. Because they're tiny. Messi, Messi did get a lot of uh, HGC though. And even still, though, he's only what five seven. Yeah, five, but, but I think it helped him with like his muscles on his legs. Well, well my point is that like someone of that size. Of that yeah, but build, when he was younger, no one would have even paid attention to him. No, but that, that's way better than that Clembuterol we give our players. I think if we we traded, we would have we would have more. You know. Now, now, do you guys believe, like I do, that that the only reason Leo Messi got to the way that he get that that you know the level that he's shown is because of Messi bubbles? Do what? Leo Messi's foot bubbles. Have you all seen those? What? You haven't I mean, seen the foot bubbles? No. Oh, oh my goodness! The little bubbles that he juggles. Yeah, he he juggles bubbles, little soap bubbles. Yeah. That's some that's some recent commercial thing that they do, I guess. But uh, but probably from from doing some type of ball on foot practice from from since he was a kid. The um, other th- you know it's funny you mentioned that Dan because I covered a a football soccer game last night. I was able to produce a, a local broadcast for high school, um, and. There were some guys on there that they weren't the biggest guys, but they, they did have some really good skills with the ball. And it just makes me wonder if, 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 if because of the fact that, they, you know, I don't know if these guys are on select or whatever, but if they're not, if, if they're ever ever going to get someone to come to the ball for anything. Because some of those guys were, you had some really good skill. But they were, like you said, five, six, seven. Well, you know, the, the, the best players that we ever, the football has ever seen, 
those been short, you know. There's got to be a correlation. Hey, Ronnie, speaking, you yeah, speaking of which, uh, the one of the I guess worst things that uh, that can happen right now is that a lot of people are making a big deal about the you know the English uh, team uh, Leicester who are top of the standings and looks it looks like they may uh, you know win the uh, the Premiership, but you know they they're not a you know they're not an attractive team they're basically just a, a team that just basically you know they scrap by i mean and 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 they're organized i'll give them that but from this side of the pond who tends to look too much towards england i think that sends the wrong messages for us like hey be organized you know you don't really have to treat the ball well you know, scrap a you know scrap a you know scrap a, a play you know off a direct kick or or a set piece or stuff like that, and I think that's just the wrong way to go about the game here. And I know we talked about it you know last week and the week before, but you know I was reading an article how uh, you know uh, last actually sometime this week I I'll have to find it, but basically just talking about you know you know Leicester's deficiencies. And how they're making, you know, and how they're basically, you know, working their strong points to 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 hide their weak, you know, to weaknesses. But you know, I, I just think that I, I have a feeling that Leicester's going to be just a flash in the pan, you know. And uh, and unfortunately, you know, here in the U.S., many coaches are going to look towards that, saying, "Look, well, if they do this, they can get you know quick results." But you know, the U.S. doesn't need quick results; they need and they need an entire overhaul of of, of 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 how they play the game here. Hey, let's get something straight. Mm-hmm. Leicester City is going to get destroyed in the Champions League next year. That's guaranteed. That's a good point, Pern. We're going to hold you to that, Pern. I know. I, I, I think it is going to happen. Let's, My thing is, remember what last they, they're taking advantage said. of a really weak uh, league this year. All the top teams are, are weak. Yeah, but but Champions League, you still have the group stage, and not not every team in the group is is that strong. You're right. Unless, they're gonna play I, one I, team that's decent. Yeah, unless they have bad luck and they get stuck in a group with two really strong teams. Other than that, I don't think they'll get destroyed. That that's a bit you know, it's a bit harsh. Uh, you know, they would probably go through to, uh, past the group stage. But I don't think they'd get past the quarterfinals if they made it. But as Ronnie said, I mean, the, the thing that, that Leicester City's had this year, and sometimes when you have a year like this, you just think things have just been happening for them. They just, they've just, I'm not saying it's luck. They've just prepared very well, and opportunities have presented, and they've been able to, as, as Ronnie said, they've been able to cash them. Like the last it's five games, like the last five games, dude, they've been like, they've won like one nil. Yeah, with three I mean, shots on goal or two shots. Yeah, on I mean, goal. just playing for the result, and you know, it, it, it seems like it's gonna it's gonna be like Greece all over again. You know, like for a reverse rele- relegation is what they're playing for. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and uh, I'm just like, it, it's funny because I mean, I I heard overheard, you know, uh, what was it? About a week ago, two weeks ago, I was at a, you know at a uh, at a pub. I mean, I don't drink, but I was just you know watching the game, and. uh Talking about you know you know people are talking about Leicester and you know how great it is and I'm thinking no how many how many times a day do you not drink 
<laughs> I, I, I don't. It's just sometimes, you know, when I want to watch a game during like during the week and stuff like that, you know, uh, I'll just go into a pub and, you know, just sit down, get a bite to eat and, you know, watch footy or watch rugby. But anyhow, hey, are we going to talk about the, are we going to talk about the, uh, the women's? Wait, oh, before we get into the women's, you're, you're I just to mention about, uh, rugby will make me want to drink, so I totally understand you, Ronnie. I mean, not drink. Fabian, Fabian's uh, racist, or his yeah, dad, his dad claiming racism. That's uh, a topic that I want to talk to you about, Joel. Was, uh, oh. And then Fabian came out, well, let's give a little backstory. So I think it was either, I think it was Sunday when uh, a couple of reporters, Rodolfo Landeros, one of them, tweeted out that you know that he said that this is a fact Marco Fabian is not being selected on Frankfurt's team because of racism because he's a Mexican so they said like clearly <clears throat> racist and then his dad appeared on Univision and clarified it so I guess that was who his source was and then um, Marco Fabian later in the week talked to his coach who was his coach is it Nico Kovac is that his name yes Nico Kovac who, as y'all know, was the coach for Croatia during the World Cup and the one who said that in the lead-up before the game gave, gave Mexico the biggest gift they ever got a World Cup when he said, well, you know, that that, that team's going to be scared of their, their knees are going to be shaking during the national anthem when they realize who they're playing. Thank you. Thank you, Nico Kovac. So apparently because of that and that very painful defeat that he's not been playing Fabian uh, and not even not even selecting him to be on the, on the, the team that dresses for the past two weeks, maybe it's just because Fabian and they're in the middle of a relegation battle that his style of play doesn't necessarily suit what they're trying to accomplish, which is not fall. Or maybe it's racism. I don't know. I'm not sure. Joel, what do you think? Maybe he hates borrachos. <laughs> no, um, I don't think it was racism. And that team has players from different nationalities. Uh, one of the one of the you know one of the things was that he was salty over the World Cup, so that that's why he was not playing him. But I, I think what happened was Fabian was probably uh, you know moaning and, and just complaining to his dad, and his dad took it a bit overboard with the comments. Dad definitely didn't do him any favors. That that's for sure. Whether it's true or not. And and you know the thing is, it it could have worked. I could see it working, even though that's the wrong way to go about it. Because like Germany, as Pern will know, they have a lot of social justice warriors. So something like that. I don't that, think it's social justice warriors as much as it is guilt. Oh yeah, but I'm, but, I'm being I'm being dead serious. I know, but regardless, they they will make a big deal about it. I think well, this yeah, is something they 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 w- would not want to have the club. Um, you know, just attached to the club. So I, I think, and that's why one of the reasons Fabian right away came, came out to to just yeah. threw his dad under the rug. He did the right thing. He did the right thing. There's no question. <laughs> but but Nico, I don't I don't think he was. He might not like Fabian because maybe he's just not the type of player he likes. Exactly. But, but I don't think that has anything to do with with you know his nationality or or. Or because Mexico beat them at the World Cup. He wasn't even in the squad. No, he played. He played against Croatia. Fabian? Yeah, he played. He came in for uh, for Guardado. 
in the second half after Guardado scored. Uh, Piojo let him come out so he could have an ovation, and he pushed Fabian. Fabian, actually, on the man, I, I didn't even re- I didn't even I, remember I seeing him at the World Cup. I, the, the only thing I remember, me neither. I didn't. Cup. I don't remember him being called no, up. I, I just remember him praying with Giovanni. Uh, yeah, praying. You know, for the you know for Memo to block the shot. You know, for the penalty. Is it true? Why, why, why did they take him again? Is it is it true that uh, Piojo wanted Chicharito? to be the goalie on that play because he was in practice was just a demon at stopping penalty kicks. Have you all heard about that? Like that's why it took so long because Piojo wanted Chicharito. They wanted to trade places. I heard Chicharito volunteered to do that, that he wanted to go in. Well, he was in, but I guess he wanted to be the goalie. Yeah, he wanted would to be it be, Would it be really that terrible? I mean, have, I, I've yet to see a goalkeeper that really is that impressive um, blocking penalty kicks. They all look pretty foolish, and they all look like they're guessing most of the time. Wow. Luis Van Gaal did the same thing. The Dutch goalkeeper was supposedly a specialist, right? Well, have you seen what he did? Uh, someone posted a very interesting sequence where <clears throat> before each penalty kick, when the Costa Rica guy was sitting there you know, looking at the guy, he would walk to one end of the, of the goal or the other, stop there, and then go back, and then slowly walk back. And every time he did that, the player kicked to the side where he was every single time. That's some voodoo stuff. Some uh, brujeria, man. It's <laughs> kind of like the the brujeria that uh, America used last night to put a spell on poor Marchesin, man. That was eesh, was bad. It's a bad drop. Why is it that America always wins games like that? Why can't Pumas ever win a game like that, where just a terrible mistake by somebody lets you lets you you know win a championship? Really, really, John? After last, after the semifinals? Yeah, but that was you self-inflicted. Know. That was that wasn't some fluke, awful thing. That was shitty officiating, dude. Oh, whatever, dude. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was self-inflicted. The officiating may have been bad, but the reputation was worse, and the reputation preceded the team, and that's why. Look at last night. It happened again last night. There you go. There you go. I think that that was uh, one of the things that you wanted to discuss with us tonight, if I'm not mistaken, Ronnie. You said that you wanted to give you uh, the floor for a few minutes while you went off on discipline. So let's go ahead and do that. It's time for Ronnie's rant. Ronnie's rant. know what we're yelling about. No, it's just I'm just I'm just tired of you know Dawood Quinteros and Mickey Arroyo just getting sent off for foolish stuff. I mean, they they come. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if if Ambris cannot take control, I think Belize has to do something. Get rid of him. You know, I just you know it's just ridiculous. Give it a sample too. No, the hell no. You can you can tolerate his di- indiscipline, right? Yeah, I can. I can. Yeah, but it's like Luis Garcia. Did you see his? He he just kicked into some dude at the Champions League, I think yesterday, and he, there is no card on him at all. But Nino Torres. No Suarez. Oh. So they didn't call anything on him, but there's a there's a video of him just like hacking something. Well, if if the ref don't see it, it ain't a foul. 
I'm not sure the ref didn't see it. <laughs> well, that that whole game was was Barcelona's uh, sway. They had the uh, they had the 12th man there, like America does many times. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mention that because that's one thing that I've always uh, that's always bothered me about when people criticize Liga and Mackey's. They say, "Well, the refereeing is terrible." Well, you know what, guys, the refereeing is terrible all over the world. It just is. There are bad decisions made in every game. It happens. Yes, but the thing of, I understand that you know there's always going to be errors here and in China, but you know the officiating in every country has to has to improve uh, because of the level. I mean, you know the officiating if they screw up in Trinidad and Tobago or they screw up in you know in Jamaica and stuff like that. Well, I mean, these are leagues where their footballs, you know, their football teams, they're, they're not investing a lot of money. Well, you know, you know that in, in Liga MX and obviously in some, in, in many, you know, the leagues in, in Europe, I mean, these are multi-billion dollar, you know, industries where, you know, they spend buku money. So, I mean, you don't want an entire season to basically end on on a screw up because of you know because of an official and you know and I've always said that you know the officials in Mexico have to improve and it starts with fitness it starts with you know you know becoming you know full time professional uh, officials but it has to improve everywhere it's not just Mexico. Yeah, yes no I know but for our league you know because keep in mind you know most of these guys I mean they're they're part-time officials I mean they still have their own day jobs you know uh Gilberto Alcala he I think he was an accountant what is it Archundia was a lawyer or, I, I get him reversed I don't remember who's who but I mean these guys were accountants they're lawyers they're you know they're uh, in fact I think one of them we have a, a PhD guy a civil engineer or, or a mechanical engineer who, who who has a PhD I mean, and and to a certain degree, I always I've defended them because I mean, you're going up against, you know, you're basically babysitting 22 players who are trying to, you know, pull a fast one on you, you know, and they have access to the best doctors, to the best nutrition, you know, and you're supposed to, you know, keep up with them for 90 minutes. Knowing that you don't do this every day, you know you're not training every day. But you know, I've never seen a Mexican ref just, you know, gas at the at the midfield stretch. No, no, just, and you're, guys, and, and, guys, just go on, and I can't, I can't keep up. Go no, on, no, and 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 I give them credit because they, I mean they do, I mean they do take it serious. I'm not, I'm not denying that, but I, I would like for them to be completely separate from the federation. I would like to see them completely, you know, autonomous. I should say. From the federation, and I would like to see them fully professional, meaning where they're training every single day, you know, and that's their job. That's that was a pretty weak rant. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. That was, <laughs> you know, that was well, like if the, if the tea was just started to steep, <laughs> and pulled it out a little too a little too early, a little too early. Well, it's like it's not even. It gets to the point where it doesn't even make me mad anymore. I'm just like Jesus, you know. You just so. you just used to it. Every time America loses, you're like, did we lose because of the ref? You're like you have a little checkbox. Yep, we lost because of the ref. That's 
America, America would win the championship this year if, uh, if say, Paul Aguilar would pray to the god of Odin before mm-hmm. his match, then they'd probably have better luck. <laughs> yep. Well, they're, Odin they're, is the king of Asgard. You know, you guys, you guys are talking about America. Um, are they what, like, third position in the league? America. Oh, they're no. they're they're second, you know. They're second, second, second yeah. and they're playing their. Uh, you know, they reached the final again of of the Conca champions, and and you know, not too long ago, they they were trying to say crisis, crisis with, with America. So I mean, it's they were saying now, it like three weeks ago. Now, now it's like forgotten. But I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of fans that when when they, they, you know, they'll buy into all that hype. Now, who who buys into hype worse, America fans or Chivas fans? Chivas, but without a doubt, Chivas. <laughs> well, that's because Vergara Vergara supports the hype, and then the fans just fall into and it. And puts team the players into a national team that have no business being there. Even Pern falls into the Chivas hype. Hey, he John. Yeah, he's, he falls he's into the anti-Chivas hype. He's, hey, John. He's... Yes. I wanted to ask Fernando a question. By all means. I wanted... I wanted to ask Fernando. No, I wanted to ask what your stance was on the whole uh, litigation that the U.S. women's soccer team, you know, filed with the equal uh, opportunity, uh, equal employment uh, office. Oh you- yeah, that they're not getting fair wages or whatever all that bull crap. Yeah, yeah. What, what's your take on it, Fernando? I think it's absolutely ridiculous. They don't make the same, you know, the the women's team does not make the same revenue as the men's team. So how can you match? Last year they did. In fact, they made more last year. In regards to national games, or are you talking about? Because they were talking about league games for their women's league. Okay, no, no. They're talking about according to the you know two thousand what is it two thousand fifteen. Uh, uh, because of the World Cup, essentially. Right. Yes. Yeah. The numbers are are skewed. They should look at four-year cycles to make a, a true comparison. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that that perhaps, as far as the World Cup is concerned, they should get compensated, probably significantly more, and even go back and kind of make it right. But beyond that, I mean, uh, I mean, isn't isn't doesn't MLS actually support uh, the women's league? No, Here's the US no, it's actually, does. It, it, yeah, yeah, it, it comes out of the, the like there's the the money that like the two three million or whatever actually comes from from what John said the U uh, the the soccer federation the U S soccer federation which I mean they're they're the U S soccer federation MLS they're kind of tied at the hip but they are separate entities. Um, yeah, we have, but we have no now, business to. <laughs> Laugh or complain about that? <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no. But, but but Fernando, Fernando, do you think the women ride the coattails of the men? Please uh, specify your question a little better, because I don't know what that means. <laughs> Sometimes I can't translate. You know, as I, you know, I don't know. Do what you think that the women are making a living off the men's success, which is hilarious? Because I mean, it should be the other way around, honestly. Well, you know, uh, and no, there's not that much of an audience for women than for men. I can understand why they want more. They, they probably think that, oh, we should get paid the same as the MLS. 
or like that ridiculous lawsuit about uh, oh we we should play in no no, no stadiums with no turf. That was absolutely ridiculous. They were playing in MLS stadiums, you know, and they were still complaining. So yeah, I think this is out of order. I don't think they they the money that they generate warrants, you know, the higher pay than MLS. Like, what is it? In MLS, their basic players make like close to thirty thousand a year. No, they make like seventy. No, the the whole thing wasn't based on the league though. It was based on the national team, uh, right. the na- the national team. So it wasn't the league. To me, the most egregious and awful thing about reading the uh, the budgets, the budget breakouts, was that the men win more money for winning a friendly than they do winning an official game. I could not believe that. Well, also, what, what I thought was funny, you know, was the except Mexico because they know the Mexico is a hell is a hell of a payday. Right. You know, I, I thought that it was, was, it, was it was top ten and Mexico and or Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, top ten or Mexico. Uh, so it doesn't matter. Like Mexico could be ranked fiftieth. It's a payday for them. Right, seventeen grand each guy gets <laughs> for playing that, for winning that game, and a friendly. They make ten for winning an official qualifier. So it makes you wonder why they're so motivated. Because I think if they lose, they only get five grand. So that that's a bit, you know. And for some of these guys that are only making eighty, ninety grand a year, that's a huge bonus for them. Okay. Yeah, especially especially a few years back. I mean, when MLS wasn't paying what they're paying now, that that's a significant boost. Yeah. So 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 Fernando, you're not you're you don't support the women in their uh, in their endeavor here of uh, asking for for more money. Here's the reality, and I'll let Fernando answer here in a second. But the, the, but the, this is what this little episode shows me. It shows me the USS the USSFF. U.S.S.F. is small potatoes. That's what this shows me. Because if the players really had this kind of gecha, all they had to do was say, hey, guys, we have this gecha. And they would say, well, you know what? Here. Here's the cash. You know, you guys are right. But they don't have they don't have the cash. They don't have the cash. They don't have yeah, the they're cash making... or the clout. Dude, you, I mean, Mexico makes shitload more of than the United States Soccer Federation. When you're looking at the Mexico you know, makes like, money for the United States Soccer Federation. Yeah, I know, I know, because with stuff like that. But I just because it, of their well, playing here, they got yeah, to pay. You know, yeah. you know, you know. Speaking of that, just while you're on the subject, uh, and and is FIFA gonna is FIFA going to when when Mexico plays in the U.S. and the chant the the goalie chant. For friendly yes. games by some, are they going to? Who are they going to find? Because because most of the fans are are, you know, they're they're from the U.S. Yeah, yeah. no, they're they're pochos. Generation, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, how how you know Mexico has no control over over people born in this country. Yeah, it does. It does. So I mean, is this still going to count, or or did some reach out to FIFA and uh, cut a deal to look the other way? For the moleros, uh, you know what? That's a good question, Hall. I mean, who? I mean, and I know I wrote about this, you know, uh, months ago when when they find, you know, Mexico. You know, Mexico is like you, you can't, like you said, you can't, uh, you can't hold accountable the Mexican Federation for people that technically are not even in your jurisdiction. You know. 
So it's it'll be interesting. But going going back going back to the women, um, for one one thing that struck me as odd was that I, I didn't like the way how the U.S. basically kind of threw the the men under you know under the you know the the the, the bus. How they made it you know they made it like us against them, where it's like. You know, we're we're winning championships. You guys are just participating. <laughs> I thought that I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty low. Um, and I do think I do think that they're riding the coattails of the men because honestly, the women the women's game. Let's be honest, it's not truly a global game. It, it's not. There's only a handful of countries where women actually. Actually, get you know the facilities, and they get you know the funding develop skills. to develop their skills. They're able to play under the sun a little bit longer, you know, because here in the United States they have the Title Nine, where well, you know the way I've always looked at women's soccer, especially the U.S. women's team, is that I I I see it as it's the NFL. The only people that care about women's soccer are people in this country, just like the only people that care about the NFL are people in this country. Yeah, but they both are so desperate to make it a global game, so that they so it, 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 it's like they're longing for some sort sort of uh, I don't want to say acceptance, but but I know the NFL like the NFL wants to have all the games in London, and they're thinking about playing in London when they have you know when they have an audience that's much much closer and much much bigger just to the south of them, and and they have they've been there for fifty years, and they don't give them anything. I've yeah. never understood that. No, but anyway, I, I, that's a different story. But I, I, get, yeah. I get your point. You know, so it's like it's not it's not even a global game. I mean, whereas a poet, uh, whereas opposed to men, I mean, there's there's that you know there's what almost three hundred nations, uh, FIFA, you know, countries, federations, and at least at least one hundred of them have full time professional leagues where the players make a living full time playing professional football soccer. And you know, just in the last since 1990, since 1999, when you know the girls, you know the one they won the World Cup, there's already been three leagues. Two of them have folded, and it seems like they always fold. It seems like they always start right after the World Cup, and then like it folds like two, three years after the fact. Right, because it, it it's, it's like it's it's so. I mean, for the, for them to kind of knock, you know, and I can't believe I'm, you know, I'm. Uh, I'm defending the the, the the nads, you know, but it, it, <laughs> I'm, I'm defending them. But it's like, dude, you can't even compare the two. It's like the 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 U.S. men's they actually play a, a global global game. The women do not. On a competition level, you're absolutely correct. But but again, in this country, I mean, you have to understand that soccer in this country is is. What you know, people call an Olympic sport. You know, it, it, it's not. It's not a mainstream sport. It's. It's. It's sadly still a fringe. I mean, even in 2016, it's still a fringe sport. I mean, it's. It is what it is. The attendance though, and, for, and ML, the, for the, you know, the attendance for MLS though, man, it com- it competes with with it. It, it, it's, it you, competes. Okay, you're right. But do you think that MLS stadiums uh, outside of a few cities could could, could consistently fill a 50,000 seat stadium? They can, nah. they can sell out the twenty thousand, but can they consistently fill the fifty thousand or a sixty or a seventy thousand seat stadium consistently? And beyond that, the viewership too. That's TV there viewership is, no is nil. 
tiny. And the viewership is tiny for the woman. And, 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 and that's the problem is that it's tiny for both. And that's what people need to understand about USSF. USSF. I can't say that. USSF. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, is that it just doesn't, you know, it, they, they think that they're a world power and they are in the women's game, but they just don't have the clout that other federations have. They don't have the clout or the spending power the other federations have. What's going to end up happening is the USF, USSF is going to look at the the complaints say, you know what, you're right. We're going to dock the men and make it make make it and make it similar that way instead of paying the women more. They're just going to oh, what's well, got the men's salaries. And, and it's actually going to hurt both both programs. It it really is, you know. And um, so so you're not so you're not calling uh, Pern. You're not calling for equality on this then on this issue. Well, it's it's. There's no such thing as equality. You you can't pay them the same because they don't earn the same. They don't even compete the same. And second, it's it, it's basically akin to that fake uh, wage gap garbage that people are trying to push down that doesn't exist. Wh- whose gap? <laughs> the wage gap. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Do you think that the U.S. women would have made this lawsuit if they wouldn't have won the World Cup? No, I th- I don't think so. I personally um, don't think so either, too. Dan but honestly, going by their by their cockiness, you know, like I can't believe they made that lawsuit about the stadiums. Jesus Christ! So may actually, I, I take that back. I think they would have complained no matter what. Well, it, it's it's funny because I mean, if if we surf, if we value our our children more than our adults, you know, Mexico won. In, you know, most of Peru's stadiums. In fact, I think all of Peru's stadiums in the 2005 uh, uh, Under 17 were played on on turf. They were. So I mean, it's like it's not, it's not like the kids. Not were only that, but I mean, almost every like 90 percent of high school games are played on turf. Yeah. So what about you, Dan? Are you uh, in favor of the uh, the women's uh, filing the suit? Uh, absolutely not. No. No. So no, no, no equality. Uh, as stated uh, by Pern, I don't think uh, you're comparing apples and apples, so I don't think it'd be fair to for them to be paid uh, the same. Now, is the wife out of the room? <laughs> Can you say this? No, no, she's here. <laughs> she's here. <laughs> okay, all right. No, she's here. She's here. Hey, Bethel, <laughs> Bethel, make sure you edit this out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to implicate Dan. Is she listening to the show or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's, no, it's no big deal. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's certainly an interesting topic, and I know that there are a lot of folks that, that uh, you know, I wonder if... Uh, if the women's basketball team is going to sue if they win the gold medal with the men's gold medal or whatever the case. I guess that's kind of a silly comparison. Yeah, that's sort of different. Yeah, it is. It was, it was, you could go ahead and cut that out. But uh, Ooh, another goal. It just seems to me that because of the fact that the women do have – I mean, they're certainly the most popular women's national team in the world, in their own country. There's no question. 
So yeah, I think that now do they do they deserve equal pay? I'm not sure if they do or not. I know that they deserve more pay. There's no question. I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, there's no question they do. But I mean, again, I also think that that paying the players, the, the men's players, you know, for some of those games is crazy. And a lot of those stipulations for the men were never going to happen. They just weren't going to happen. So to compare, you know, if they make it the World Cup semifinals, it's this much. Well, that's just not going to happen. And that's also based on the monies that, that FIFA sh- dels out for those levels of winning those tournaments too. So there's that. Anyway. Well, boys, I think that should about – oh, before we go, we need to hear from uh, Albert and his experiences at the Estadio Azteca. Oh yeah, yeah, that was pretty fun. The uh, we we parked and it's it's crazy how the parking is. You can either park in the stadium and mess with the traffic jam getting out, or we actually parked a few blocks down in uh, people's garages. They just <laughs> they'll just rent out their garage for people, make a little make a little money. And so we we parked there, walked to the stadium, hung out, and I was gonna get a Quelta Milk shirt, one of those just t-shirts. That's and I meant to ask you, they have LA Coliseum, Joel. The greatest Cuauhtémoc shirt, where it says, uh, "What was it? Pele fue el rey, Maradona fue el dios, y Cuauhtémoc fue el papá de los dos." It's an awesome yeah, that would have been awesome. I just saw the ones where he's doing his little uh, his little uh, symbol celebration pose and everything. But yeah, I was I was pretty, uh, I mean, pretty impressed or not impressed but the stadium was sort of like I mean it's really old it's crammed the the bathrooms are terrible there wasn't really like stands and I'm sort of going off a recent comparison so the Houston Dynamo Stadium where it had where you access the seats and to come out you go out and then you see all these like the area where you can buy food and stuff and then and then bathrooms which is a huge hallway but here for the Azteca it's either you go into the stadium you go to your seats or you go back out outside of the whole entire stadium. Um, the bathrooms were all crammed. It wasn't that hard getting in and out, but uh but yeah the game was the game was pretty good. Is it general admission? Uh no we were actually they have they have people that seat you. So and of course they ask for a tip. But yeah they'll you give them your tickets, they'll they'll tell you they'll walk you exactly to your seat and say, Okay, here you are. And so we we um sat in front of some a group of people that were Pumas fans, uh, guys and uh, and girls that were just yelling. They were drunk. They were smoking. They were yelling obscenities of all kinds to uh, Raúl Jiménez, any Americanista layun. They were yelling at him and just going crazy the whole time. So uh, I was used to it. I was you know like you know the mosh pit environment, going crazy and stuff. But um, some of the, my uncles were were more. You know, they're used to their American-style sports where everything's calm and there's no crazy drunks around. So they got a bit annoyed. But, yeah, it was a fun, it was a fun time. I think I mentioned on the Twitter how uh, we, could, we could see just right in front of us how the Canadian coach was pointing at Layun and other players from Mexico where the guys weren't marking them. They were just bunkering back. Uh, they would pass, like, to the middle, to Guardado, Guardado or whoever, and they'd leave Layun open on the side. And the Canadian coach would like point at him, mark this guy, mark this guy, and they would just sit back all afraid. Like, so that was sort of interesting. Um, but getting out and everything, the stadium seemed okay, and and all that it wasn't too congested. Um, but yeah, the 
the the chance for the goalkeeper. The loudest I've ever heard. So I don't I don't see that going away. I meant to ask some dudes about it about like what they thought. Um, but yeah, I don't see that I don't see that chance stopping anytime soon. I think it will eventually, but it's gonna it's gonna take like a year or two, is what I think. But uh, did you did you boo the team after the 70th minute or so, like the rest of the stadium, because they were just kind of dilly dallying? Were they booing? I didn't notice any booing. It, it got boring at, at, towards the end, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear. I must have not been paying attention. Well, they don't boo; they whistle. They were oh, the whistling. Yeah. Oh, there was plenty of that. <laughs> yeah, that was. There was all kinds of craziness. Um, There's a guy that was sitting in front of us. I think he's been to other games. He looks just like Piojo. So all of a sudden we'd hear a chant, Piojo, Piojo, and this guy would be like taking selfies and pictures with all kinds of people. Anyone who approached him would want a picture with him. He's just like some sort of chubby dude. Maybe it was Piojo. No, <laughs> he looks exactly, or he looks pretty pretty good like him, but he, his hair is like all unmanageable, like the way Piojo has his and stuff. So it was pretty funny that everyone was going crazy about him. Yeah, it was a good time. I need to go to America game now. Well, it was was it full? Did it was it a sellout? Was there a big enough crowd? It it looked it looked pretty full. Like at the end, it was pretty full. At the beginning, it was it looked sort of the upper the upper seats were didn't look um, full. Did Tecatito score on your side or on the other side? On the opposite side. But when I saw that deflection, um, and I saw I, it, I knew exactly what was going to happen. It's, it was perfectly set up for him to do that that little move and then score that. So it was, it was on the other side, but I saw it perfectly. There was nobody in the way or anything. But yeah, I was on the other side though. And were you, and were, did you join the crowd and imploring the the coach to put in Chicharito? Was that okay. you? Did, did yeah, you do that? Did yeah, you take credit for that? That was a huge that was a huge uproar with Chicharito once he got on. Yeah. We had some binoculars on. This guy's getting up. Okay. And he's only scored twice in the Azteca with a Mexico shirt. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool if he was. You know, which is a shame because if he starts scoring there, I mean, there'll be an earthquake. I mean, that that that, that that's who we need to wake up to get Mexico to start playing well at the Azteca again. Is Chicharito? If he starts scoring goals, the crowd will go absolutely bananas. More, more for him than anybody. There's no question. Even the Americanistas will cheer for him. Oh yeah, anybody, anybody cheer for that guy. All right. Well, gentlemen, I think that that uh, about wraps up the show this evening. Thank you guys for joining us. As always, here in the Dos Acero Football Podcast, a Yamanito production. Dan, Preciado, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> Fernando, glad you could make it. Always a pleasure. Oh, same here. Thank you. Albert, El Chiquiscampa. Glad to have you back in the States. Good yeah, to talk to you. Hey, uh, Pumas is up 3-1. Are we in the Libertadores? Yeah. Oh, good. I wasn't even watching. They were down 1-0, but... Fantastic. Well, good good to hear. And Joel, as always, a pleasure. Thank you, John. Thank you for keeping it real. Thank you for keeping it real. (laughs) 
As I always. can do my part. Yeah, we, we appreciate it. Ronnie De Luna. Always had a blast. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks, guys. Good luck with uh, America and the Scotiabank Champions League coming up. The big final. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as we said, this has been the Los Acero Football Podcast. We buy air every Wednesday night around between 9 and 9.30 Central Time on the YouTube, and then we'll post it to iTunes soon after that. Please feel free to join us live, or you can listen to it, and, and be sure to follow our Twitter handle, which is the Los Acero Podcast. My name is John Jagu. I really appreciate you joining us. Thanks, and we'll talk to you guys next week.